You know, we need to remember who we are. We need to know whose we are and what we are. When I was Ethan's age, six years old, uh, if you want to know what I look like, just look up here. My father took me to a used car dealer to look for a car in our first year we came to the States. And then for some reason, this used car lot had all these like rusted keys on the ground. I don't know, maybe they're spare keys. And you know, when you're a six-year-old, those keys look sparkly and shiny and look so cool. So I picked it up and I was like shaking to my dad and dad said, no, put it down. So as the respectful, obedient child that I was always, <laughs> I put it in my pocket. And I, I, I went home that day and I said, you know, if you're six-year-olds in that world, you know everything. So I, so I went to the bathroom and I said, hoo-hoo, my keys. I, I look like Smeagol from Lord of the Rings, my precious. And I was just looking at it and then I said, what am I going to do with this? So I went into the bathroom and I put it behind the toilet, which if you know most toilets, it's just that little white base and then you can see through. So I was like, yeah, I got my keys. And my father came in, 10 minutes later, he went to the bathroom and he goes, in, in, you know, my Korean name is Hong Suk, Hong Suk! And I was like, what? And he came in and he goes, what is this? And he, and he took it out. And I, I couldn't believe he found it. I thought I was so smart. I, I couldn't, I thought my dad must be incredibly. And he said to me these words, and I'm translating it, that have never left me. He said, in, in translation, you, you are a ko. You are a ko. Ko's, we don't steal and we never lie. He says, ko's, we never steal and we will never lie. And he drove me back to the used car lot <laughs> so we could throw it back into the lot amongst other rusty keys to show that point. And I'm six years old and it is still crystal clear in my mind. You have to remember who you are. Not just merely what is the right thing to do, but who are you? So as we go to Ephesians, what is Paul saying? Paul is going on this long story. You are not just a religious person that chose Christianity. You are not just somebody who happened to grow up in a Christian home, so therefore, I'll be a Christian. If you are a Christian, you have seen that you are dead in your sin, and Christ Jesus, as a gift of God, gave up himself on the cross to shed his blood, die on the cross for your place and my place, and has given to us this gift of forgiveness. And when we say, Jesus, yes, Lord, we are made children of God. So Paul says, be imitators of God, Therefore, therefore what? He's saying therefore, right before that, he's saying, verse, chapter 4, verse 17, be kind and compassionate to one another for giving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. So he's saying, therefore, this is how you live. Since God has forgiven you and I, how do you live? You know, um, you know what's, what's funny? This actually is true. Can you imagine, but... I don't know anybody. Can you imagine if somebody you know had a quadruple bypass surgery because of a heart attack, and they get out, and you say, you look good, and then he goes, let's go to Orange County Fair and get all the fried food we could get. You know, you would look at him and say, if you don't love him, and you're a friend, you would say, I'll do whatever you want because you like it. You would be the worst friend. In other words, if you find the reality of what just happened, there's a certain way to live. You don't eat fried food like that, right? And what God, Paul is trying to say is, don't forget who you are. You are children of God. 
So here it is. What does that mean for you? In light of who God is, what God has done, right, forgiving you, Ephesians 4, 19, and who you are, he says you are the children of God. Say if you're a Christian, say it, I'm a child of God. All right, we're getting Pentecostal today. And live a life of love. So in light of all this, how do, how do we live? I'm going to go back to it. We just, so how do you live in light of being a child of God and who God is who forgives you? This is, this is scary. Imitate God. You know, we just kind of read over that, but just think about this. In light of who God is, in light of what you are now in Christ Jesus, how should you and I live? Paul is saying, follow God's example. Some of us are like, I barely get to church on Sundays. <laughs> you want me to be like God? That's what Paul is saying. That's what Jesus is calling us into. He's not just saying, I forgave you, so just do your best. He's saying, I saved you. I gave you my life. You are new creation. Now you have a new heritage. You have a new inheritance. You are not just a little, little you know, pebble. You are a child of the king. How do you live? Imitate God. Just think about that. Can you picture this? How do I imitate God in the way God serves us? Can you imagine imitating God in the way God, God shows mercy? Do you show mercy like God shows mercy? I know some of you worship God and you want mercy, but then someone cuts you off, you're saying, no mercy! And you're like, but you come on Sundays and you say, God, show me mercy. <laughs> and Paul is saying, imitate God. God imitate, do we imitate God in the way we live to renew society? In the way we reject evil? You know, one thing about the holiness of God, he just doesn't accept everybody and say, just stay the way you are. He says, I cannot stand evil. Isaiah, died, Isaiah went before God, he didn't die. He went before God and he see this, angels flying and God sitting on his throne and, and Isaiah says woe is me he's basically saying I'm dead <laughs> I'm before the holy God are you kidding me I'm doomed and then the angel takes a coal puts it to his mouth purifies him and God talks with him God doesn't tolerate evil do we tolerate evil the same way do we follow God's example in creating beauty do we follow God's example in forgiving others but he goes on, he says something specifically. Out of all these things, he says, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love. He's saying, follow God's example of loving. So I want to ask you guys, he says, love like Jesus. Now shout it out. When you think of Christ's love of Jesus, how do you, what kind of words come to your mind? What kind of description comes to your mind when you hear Christ's love for me? Complete, everlasting, awesome. Others? Kindness. Keep going. Forgiving. Healing. Any others? By the way, if you're new, one of the things that I, I, I'm obnoxious at is I, I, I make introverts hate our church. So I, I, I do this. Anything else? Grace. Any? Merciful. Awesome. And I just want to add to all of those things extravagant, selfless, sacrificial. You see, I think a lot of us, we don't realize that we buy into the world's definition of love. And love in the world's view is just free, like, hey, I love you. 
But here's love. Moms and dads know this. Waking up three in the morning from your sleep to change your baby's diaper at the cost of your beauty sleep. That's how I became this way. You know? Cost. You know, I remember I became a dad because I had $10 in my pocket and I was like, yeah, Burger King. And then I realized, oh, that could buy like 10 diapers. And then I realized, oh, I'll have cereal at home. You, you, know, you know, that's love where, you, where it costs you something. It's cheap to say, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. I want to make you happy. But Christ's love, he loved sacrificially. Look what Paul says. The way Christ loved and gave himself up for us. Did you hear the joke about the chicken and the uh, pig? The chicken and the pig were saying that our farmer is so kind to us. Let's give him something. Let's give him a great breakfast. And the pig said, that's messed up. For you, it's just an egg. For me, it's my whole life. You know, bacon and... And, and, and I, I think we live like the chicken. Like, I could love as long as it doesn't cost me inconvenience. Right? But God's love is inconvenient. God's love is painful. And he's giving, he's saying Christ's love as Christ's love, as a, giving himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrificing to God. Wow. Loving, imitating God, following his example, and the way we love. That's what the church is called to be. I think a lot of times we focus on checklists of do's and don'ts. Ooh, Christians don't curse. Christians, you know, you don't get tattoos or smoke. And we, we get focused on this, and it's, it's, it's not the list that God wants you to focus on as much as, listen, God wants you to keep your eyes on him and let him change you. To be a child that looks up to his father and you become like him. Dads, you know this, don't you? Moms, you know this, right? You get scared when you look at your child and then you realize, oh, they're doing everything I'm doing. <laughs> I said this to the VBS crew. One day, oh, my child is here, but I won't mention the name. Maybe she won't get it. But one day my child was going like, oh, darn it, or dang it. And, and I was like, where did she hear that? And then I realized she heard it from me. <laughs> and they pick up on, on these things. And I realized children follow their parents. And that is precisely what Paul is saying here. You are the children of God. Look up to your heavenly father and follow his example. Doesn't that change the way we view church and Christianity? I, I hope it does. I think it's so much more than just go to church, pay your offering, sleep during the sermon, you know, <laughs> give a, you know, clap, go home, and then you could check off, did my religion for the week. God wants you. And he's saying, you're mine. And I'm yours. So Paul says it. This is who we are, and this is how we love. And so note, the love of God, love of Jesus Christ, is not merely accepting people for their weirdness. That's easy. That's the weird BBS, right? We can love people the way they are. That's the easy part. Here's the hard part, that you, you don't go far enough. It's do you love them to cry for them, to serve them, to pray for them, to know the greatest need that they need to have, which is forgiveness and rightness with God through Jesus Christ. That's the greatest need. It's not merely to say, I'm okay, you're okay, 
but to love them is I accept you because God accepts you the way you are, but in Christ, he wants to make you in the way you are meant to be in the complete image of God. And that's why Paul is saying, Jesus Christ followers, follow God's example. See, my goal in life is not to go to church or to do the religious duties. My goal in life is to become more like Jesus every day that I step along the way. And that comes through meeting God face to face, reading his word, following it, and praying and saying, God, you're my idol. You're my king. There was a, there was a story I want to share with you. Um, um, in a village in Russia, there was a Sunday school, and a boy came, and, he said, and the priest said, if you memorize scripture, I'll give you candy. That's a good idea, right? So he, this boy memorized every scripture. He was the number one in his class. And even 60 years later, he was reciting scripture, but probably to the horror of this priest, because that prized pupil, after six years, was the communist czar Nikita Khrushchev. As this anecdote illustrates, the why behind memorization, and you could add to it religious duty, trying to look good, being religious and doing all that stuff, the why behind it is fully as important as the what. The same Nikita Khrushchev who nimbly mouthed God's word when a child later declared God to be non-existent because his cosmonauts had not seen him. Khrushchev memorized the scriptures for the candy, the rewards, the bribes, rather than for the meaning it had for his life. Artificial motivation will produce artificial results. I want to ask you, you could fool me, you could fool yourself. You can't fool God. You could do all the right things. But from the inside out, it's the nature of Christ being nurtured and molded in you. Are you following the examples of God? Or are you merely doing the life of the church? And that's what Paul is saying to this church in Ephesus. Ephesus, you know, with a lot of sin, pagan worship, he's saying, you are more than this. So, that's the framework for chapter 5, and he says, therefore, so how do we live? Here's some guidelines, and he goes into it, verse 3 to 14. It was so long, I'm going to chop this sermon into two parts, and next week we'll go into some other parts. But he goes into at least three things, so here's some guidelines for you and I. And so helpful, you know why? Because these Christians in Ephesus were living surrounded by temples of worship to Diana, goddess, princess of fertility. You know what they had in those temples? prostitutes people love going to church and with all that money they use, they built more temples so in a city with all this prostitution paul is saying the first thing here what does he say but among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality the word for sexual immorality in greek you guys know it you don't realize you know it you know what the word is porneia that's where we get the word porn. What Paul is saying here is, here's how you live. Since you are children of God, don't even have a hint of it. Don't even let it skim over you. Don't even be laced with it or affiliated with it, because you are meant for something more. You've been purified. You've been made new. Why go back into that? And what pornea is a great definition of this is simply um, sexual intercourse outside of marriage. Anything that is not in the confines of marriage. And if you look at life, and when you look at people, you know, that's not just religious rule, but if you're a married man or woman, 
and you ask, and we ask you this question, does adultery make your life better or more complicated? <laughs> I think 100% of people will say that might make it a little bit troublesome. <laughs> But we bought into this lie in society saying, I could get away with it. I could get as close as I can without burning my marriage. And we don't sometimes make it out. And what Paul is saying to us is you are meant for so much more. You are meant for this unity, purity. So he's saying not just sexual morality, but any kind of impurity, anything that, that disturbs, that, that, that tarnishes your soul. So on all these things, he's saying purity of sexuality. He also says purity in the way we talk. Uh, you know, boys, we play football, you know, locker room humor. Hey, did you hear the one about... <laughs> And then what, usually when people say jokes like that, they always end with, oh, I'm just kidding, it's only a joke. Can't you take a joke? And this is what Jesus says. This is what Jesus said, the one who loves everybody, who welcomes everybody, who everyone says love like Jesus. And, but I want to share, this is what Jesus says. Everyone will have to give account on that day of judgment for every word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Matthew 20, 12, 36, 37. Paul is not making up new things. He's quoting Jesus. That what you say in your coarse joking, offensive talk, gossip, tearing down slander, offensive humor, even your negativity, your coarseness. I'm only kidding. You can't take a joke. And Jesus says, every word you say will be held accountable to you on that day of judgment. I don't know about you. I'm already scared. I know I'm forgiven. But if Jesus says, let me give you a transcript of everything you said, I don't know if I could make eye contact with my Lord. And what Paul is saying is, run from it. Don't excuse it. Don't say, well, I'm only human. It's not becoming of you. You are meant for more. And then he also says, purity of this religious motive. He says, for of, for of you, verse 5, You can be sure no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. In other words, there will be religious ill motives. They're greedy, and they do religion for their benefit. And he's saying, don't have anything to do with that. Serve God for God's sake. Don't serve God for your sake. Ironically, when you serve God for God's sake, he is so generous He blesses you. So, when I look at the Bible, and I, I see all these things, let me just say a little short word on this wrath of God business here. You know, um, when you hear wrath of God, some of you are thinking like fire, like brimstone, like, wow, God's going to get you. Um, that, that's going to happen in the day of judgment. That's what's in our word. In the day, there will be a final time for all evil. And God's people are, are protected and covered by the blood of Christ. But today, how does God's wrath come? And I think one of the ways we see God's wrath is actually Romans 1. Here it is. When you say to God, I want to do it my way, I don't care about you, I, I, don't, I don't care about God, I don't think he's real, you know what God's wrath looks like? He doesn't bring something on you. You know what he, the worst thing he could do, and he does? Romans 1 shows this. He says, I oblige. You go and do your life your way. And it's not God's wrath on you per se, but by your actions, you bring destruction to yourself. 
You know, I, I, I get fed, I'm, I'm, I'm 40 now, and I'm getting older, so I get my patience in some ways. I, I, and some people are like laughing, but I, I, I do realize this. When young people say to me, Pastor Jason, you know, like, my life's messed up. Well, what happened? Well, I, I gambled away my money. I, I had two girlfriends at the same time, and, you know, I, I, I liked my parents. And I think, and then they say, like, and I think it's their fault. <laughs> and this is a semi-hypothetical. Um, I had many of those. And then I say to them, unless you get humbled and you take ownership of your life choices, you can't blame them, nor can you find peace and forgiveness. Church, there's got to be a time where we can't blame God. There's got to be a time when we can't blame my mom and dad. There's got to be a time when we can't blame others and we realize the guide of God and we say, I want to do it my way and God says, go do it. And then when your life is turned upside down, you're going to dare say it was the pastor's fault, God's fault, my mama's fault. And I want to say, I feel the most pity for you because you of all people are blinded. And God could save you, but he can't save you now because you're not even seeking his help. Church, we need to be humble, amen? And what God is saying to us is, you're not okay by yourself. Turn to me. So that's God's wrath. Just a little quick thing. Let me just wrap this up a little bit. So he goes on, verse 8, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. There it is. How do you live? Know who you are. Live as children of light. Okay? Live as children of light. You're not, you're not just, just a little... Uh, I had a pastor friend who who adopted a ch- daughter after he had four kids, and he adopted one more. And then one of the things he was sharing with me was, her, her name was Rachel, and she could never feel part of the family. And so she always, like, kind of, so it was the hardest year, first few months, adjusting her to the family. And his talk to her over and over again is, you, those children were born from mommy's womb, but you were born from our hearts. You are our child. Don't you ever believe you're not our child? And after a year, this girl grew beautifully and just became part of this incredible family. She knew she was that child's family's child. They actually ended up adopting another child recently. Incredible, incredible mentor. Sometimes we, we don't realize you are God's child. And that doesn't mean, you know, that, that means that you are meant for such a great thing, and you have to remember you are not just a sinner straggling along, but you are an heir to the kingdom of God. And God is saying, live as children of light. Live like that. If my son ever says to me, God, Dad, can I have breakfast this morning? C- today, can I have food? I would be broken. I would call CPC on myself. What kind of father am I that my child thinks I can't feed them? And sometimes we do that with God, like, God, am I your child? If Jesus Christ is your Lord, you are. And so he, he ends with well, this portion with, so live as children of light, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Here's a practical thing. Go home. Right now, church, let's get real. Um, we got to shine that light into our lives and expose these things. What are you hiding? Don't, don't, don't say that out loud. Not that it would be foolish. But are you hiding anything? I mean, you know, I lived in an old apartment. We were poor growing up. At nighttime, when I had to get a drink of water, 
my brother and I had a contest to see how many roaches we, we stopped with our foot from our living room to the, to the, I'm not kidding. So what happens when you turn a light on? You just see, scatter. Roaches come in darkness, right? Sin also relishes hiddenness and darkness. What are you hiding? And I'm not being a Catholic priest to say, confess to me, but I'm saying, what are you covering up? What do you need to lift up to the Lord to say, Lord, this is a sin I am ashamed of. Take it from me. Living as children of light, not letting these things have a hold of us. And then he says, for it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible. In other words, guess what? Whatever you're hiding will always bubble up to the surface. Here's my, my personal, this is not a Bible thing, it's just my thing. I'd rather be the one confessing than the one that gets caught and then I confess. You know what I'm saying? You know? I'd rather be the one that beats it to the punch to say, I want to get rid of this versus, you got me. All right. All right, I'm sorry. The problem with this is you're not repentant. You're just sorry you got caught. The way with this is you despise sin. You know you're a child of God. You know you need his forgiveness. And in that forgiveness, how could God not forgive you? So you are children of light. And Paul, we'll have part two next week. But growing up, living now, church, we are more than just Sunday attenders. Amen? We are children of God called to live in light and obedience to Christ. We are called, crazy as it is, to follow the example of God. Let's pray.